Amen. Praise the Lord. I uh, I spent the day with the Lord yesterday. Always do. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Amen. But I set aside for 10 hours straight to hear clearly. And then this morning, uh, he started saying other things. So, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to, to give you, his children, the bread that, that he has for you today. Amen? Amen. I can assure you. It's going to bless you. Amen. Amen. Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. There's only one day in the kingdom of God, Lord. It's called today. We thank you for today. Help us to understand and recognize the grace that you have for us today by your mercy and love. And to spend all the grace that you have for us today. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to have hearing ears. That we might receive your precious word and to plow the ground of our heart. That it will take root and bear fruit. And I assign a hedge of protection around everyone who hears this message. Allow them time to meditate on the word and... Let it take root and bear fruit in their lives, and the enemy will not steal it from them. In Jesus' name, amen. The last time I got to speak with you, we had the visiting minister last week. How many of you enjoyed Russell Warfield, my brother in, in the Lord? He sent me a... You know, every time he gets up here, he says, I'm changing the name from Grace and Truth Church just for a little while to Let It Rip Fellowship, right? He sends me a message this morning. He says, love you, brother. He said, let it rip. <laughs> All right. Well, we got, uh, we do things a little differently. You didn't notice. But, uh, Every gift is important to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's why you're going to experience a lot of that sort of thing. And every ministry gift in the body, the fivefold ministry, you will experience in this church. And we're praying to ignite some of those ministry gifts in some of you. And, uh, the rest of you just know that you do have ministry. No matter whether you're a doctor, lawyer, chief cook, and bottle washer, you have a testimony to share about Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you've been saved, amen. amen. If, uh, if that little character on the Snoopy can get on the stage and tell the Christmas story, so can you, amen. Amen. <laughs> Last time I spoke to you was about a healthy mind. 
having a healthy mind and living a blessed life. There's a correlation there. Some people can't get past it. And the Word of God is offensive to those who are living apart from it. Yes. It's just the way it is. That's not me. I don't prepare a message directed toward anyone, ever. I sit down and I say, Lord, what do you have for your children? Please never let it be me. Only let it be you. Amen. But if people will allow God to, the Word of God, as we read the Word, it's supposed to be reading us, right? right. And when we find something that differs, we're supposed to say, huh. I'm struggling right there, Lord, and can't do this on my own, but I know you'll help me. But I agree with you. I make a decision. It's not a feeling, but it's a decision to agree with you, and I know you'll help me to get in line with you on that. That's, that's a beautiful prayer. That's honest, and you've gone, you've recognized him as the only one able to actually help you with it, the things that you need help with. Okay? But Christ has redeemed us from every curse. How many of you know that? Amen. All right. So let's start there. If you want to know what the curses are, they're extensive. But, and you can see a pretty exhaustive list in Deuteronomy 28. But Jesus bore all that on his body on the cross. So can you still suffer from a curse or aspects of a curse? Anything... Regarding death is, is a curse. What what were we freed from? What were, were the curses from initially? Let's just let's just summarize it by saying started off with spiritual death, right? That's what happened in the garden. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then Adam lived to be nine hundred and something years old. So he died spiritually, not physically. Amen. Spiritual death, the separation from God, poverty, sickness. Okay? Death in all its various forms. And then you can look at the lists and all those from Deuteronomy all the way to till you get to the New Covenant and find out what all the others were. But anytime you see one, you just say, thank you, Lord, that you delivered me from that. And if you realize you're struggling or suffering from an aspect of that you find to be in the curses, you don't have to put up with that anymore. And that's what I want to try and help you with today. So if all the curses are gone, what's left? Hmm? The blessings. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Apart from him, there is no blessings. All the promises of God. All the blessings of God. God wants you well and prosperous in your body, in your mind, in your soul. 3 John 2, Beloved, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. That's God's will. So any place or any preacher or anyone else who told you that God put things on you to teach you something or, or he took a young person home because it was just he needed them more in heaven than you needed them here, that's a lie. You know, there are young people here today who lost their father at an early age. 
if, if a preacher tells them that God did that because he needed them more than they did, how do you think that would make them feel about this loving Father in heaven? Not very good. That's the devil's desire to get you to believe that it's God's responsibility for the things that he did. Make no mistake. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come. The, the thief, the devil came only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. Amen. But now your true identity is in Christ. And as Russell was speaking last week, it's, he made it very evident that times are coming very soon when the, it's going to be a divided America in the sense that, like Jesus said, mother against daughter, friend against neighbor, that sort of thing. And it's not a, not a physical war, it's a spiritual war. Those who are truly living for God and those who are living for the world. And the time of just being blessed because you're in the most blessed nation in the world and your money says in God we trust, so you must be a Christian. That's, that's come, coming to an end. You're going to need to be relying on leaning and pressing into God every day and you will not suffer the devastating things and crises that are coming to this world. Amen. These are the promises of God. But you have to believe to receive or doubt and do without. Right. Philippians 1 27 and 28 says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The New Living Translation says there that now that you must conduct yourselves as citizens of heaven, not of the world. That means something, huh? So that whether, he said he was telling the Philippian church, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And listen to this in verse 28. Philippians 1 and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Who's your opponent? The devil and his army. This and, and then he goes on to show what this shows them. Okay. You're not frightened in any way at any time by your adversary. And look what it does. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. When you have peace in the midst of the storm like Jesus did, it terrifies the devil. When it's 17 times in the New Testament, it says grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. Why? Because they go together like peas and carrots, peanut butter and jelly. Amen. When you stepped out of peace, you stepped out from under grace and into the flesh. That's why the peace of God is supposed to be the umpire in our lives, helping us to make decisions and everything and, and helping us throughout our, our day. Amen. Clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that's from God. So we're talking about 
a real devil, a real hell. But you're not to be afraid of them in any way. You're not supposed to be looking for a demon on every doorknob. I'm going to show you some things today that are beautiful and they'll help you. Okay? Matter of fact, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff that I thought the Lord wanted me to share with you to make sure that I get to the stuff that I know He wants to share with you. Amen. We never finish. We just stop and start again anyway. <laughs> Ephesians 3.12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You see, why was, why was that something new to the Ephesian church? Because in the Old Covenant, under the law, no one could go into the presence of God, especially boldly and confidently. Even the high priest, once a year, had a rope tied around his leg when he went into the Holy of Holies in case he had sin in, life, in his life, and they had to drag him out. Why? Because nobody else could go in and get him. They died too because they all had sin. Now we can just walk right into Daddy's office. That's right. That's because of Jesus, folks. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews four sixteen. Let us therefore. So what? Therefore what? What did I just say? Because of Jesus and what He's earned on our behalf. Now, we can therefore come boldly with full confidence unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of mercy, to the throne of heaven. Thank God for this, that we can approach Him with confidence and talk to Him about what? Everything. Everything. And he wants you to. I never get over the religious folks I see. And they, 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 they act like praying to God. No, that's, that's, that's just for the really big things. You, you, we, I can handle the day-to-day. Well, dummy. <laughs> Sorry. He wants to be intimately involved in you. Huh? Do, do, do y'all only talk when, about the children together when it's something really major, like somebody gets, you know, injured or, or uh, they come home, <laughs> you know? More than that? About everything. The little things sometimes are the most special things. Right? Yeah. Well, that's how your daddy feels about you. Hallelujah. Thank God. Amen. We talk to him about everything. And you know what? We can expect good from him. Those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Right. Not, oh, I'm scared to look too hard for him. I'm afraid I might find him. And then what he might have to say to me. 
See, that's how people really think. They won't say it, but that's what it is. It's like, I'm just going to fly under the radar here, and maybe you'll just, you know. No, that's how it is, living in a home when you're scared of your parents. We're not supposed to be scared of our dad, our father in heaven. He loves us. Amen. Amen. Expect mercy and more grace or favor. But here's, here's the thing. You know, there's one thing that we're never told in the Bible to ask God for if we belong to Jesus. What is it? We'll see in a minute. Again, Hebrews 10, 19 says, now we have boldness. Now, always, therefore, and now it's always based on everything Jesus has done for us. You see? Now, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because the Lord never leaves me, never forsakes me. Hebrews 13, 6 says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Isn't that comforting? So check this out. Isn't this cool? We are bold in heaven. We are bold on the earth. We are bold towards hell. Luke 10, verse 19. Make this one your own. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version to make sure it's loud and clear. Luke 10, 19. Jesus said, listen carefully. I have given you authority. That's you. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions. See, he's... He's referring to serpents and scorpions as, as, as Satan's demons, okay? And demonic spirits. And the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan. And nothing will in any way harm you. Now he gave us a great gift here. And with it comes great responsibility and requires faith. Amen? Amen. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, right? Now, is Jesus still here? Yes. Well, in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, but Jesus has gone home. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, isn't he? But his ministry was to destroy the works of the devil. <clears throat> now, through you and me, Samuel, through you and me, Vivian, through all of us, his church, say this, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives and works in me. You have to understand that. We just take up where he left off, you see. That's why he handed over the authority to us, the church. We just take up where he left off, praise God. And now we, we're born again to raise hell. R-A-Z-E. 
that means completely destroyed. <laughs> don't, don't get it mixed up. Sometimes you got to get the shock value for you to get it. R-A-Z-E, completely destroyed. We're here to destroy hell and populate heaven. Glory to God. Ephesians 2, verses 5 through 7. I pull this from the Berean standard. So like, God had made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, past tense, present, perfect tense, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we're seated right with Jesus right now in heaven. <laughs> in order that in the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace demonstrated by his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we, you and I, born again, blood-bought, redeemed, loved children of God are seated with Him in heavenly places right now, even though we're also seated here. Huh? Come on, it, it takes faith now. A natural person cannot, it's foolishness to them. And we are doing His will by continuing His work in the earth in and by His authority. So important. So important. Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. Paul tells them, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. His might. Put on. Okay, so you see. He's going back and forth. There's a correlation. There's a relationship. You be strong, but in his strength. You put on the whole armor of God. Whose armor? God's armor. And you, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not your enemy. But against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. When it says rulers, not talking about government rulers, talking about Satan and his army. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He finally says, therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. <clears throat> having done, he said, having done all to stand. So you've done everything you can do to stand. You, you can't stand no more. So what does he tell you? Stand. How is that possible? Because you have God's armor, God's authority, and the armies of God are on their way if you will just keep standing when you think you can't stand no more. There's a supernatural anointing of the Holy Ghost that comes upon you 
When his children stand in the face of adversity, he says, look at my baby. Go, angels, go. Yes? Jesus says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. 
But I have delegated my authority. When I said it, it is finished and rested my head, I was finished here. That's what he's saying. And now I'm, I'm home with the Father. I sent the Holy Spirit to be with you. And I've delegated my authority, which is total, to you. Authority in the earth to you. And he says, go. Now, go where? Do what? Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. Mark 16, <coughs> verses 15 through 18. And he said to them, Geo, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. When I came into the ministry, I quickly rose up in an organization and I had a great office and a great IT department and I had a great theater and classrooms and all sorts of stuff. Ministry to 30 churches at a time. Had people mic me up. I was a little big shot. They were slipping up, telling me you're gonna be the head of the worldwide television ministry, bishop, oh, pastor. You see what I mean? <laughs> and then God said, Are you, do you trust me? Yes, sir. Do you prepare to take up your identity and me alone? Yes, sir. Get your stuff and get out of here. I never looked back, but I sure got lonely. Walked away from the world, and now I lost everything. Everything in the ministry. And these times were really brought the Lord and I closer together. Talking about preaching to. Uh, he says, uh, go, into, uh, go in the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I had a garden during that time. And man, I would go in and I'd minister to my dog, my big bull mastiff, my cat. I administered to those tomato plants, trees. I still, I still pray over all the fruit trees in the backyard. I pray over everything. I tell it what to do. I use my authority. You know, you can grow apples in Houston, Texas. Yeah. I get a bumper crop. How's that little one doing? Which one? little apple? I don't have a little one. I got one bigger than this room, though. I got a little fig tree. It's doing great. Going to all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will be condemned. These signs will accompany. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Amen. Have you believed? Okay. Though these signs will accompany, we're going to learn something about God right here. Those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. Amen. 
They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything, let me qualify that. What did Jesus tell the devil? We're not supposed to tempt God, are we? God doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. You go to a church where they're juggling snakes, just get back in your car and leave. But remember when Paul was shipwrecked and he went and, and uh, he was getting firewood and a snake latched onto him and he shook it off into the fire? Didn't hurt him and they were amazed. You see, that's, that's, what, that's what he's talking about. God will protect you when you're in the will of God and in the spirit. You see what I'm saying? Yes. It's okay. I still don't want anybody to do anything silly. And if they drink anything deadly, same thing here. Don't go try it just to prove it. It will not hurt them. But anyway, they, they will lay hands on the sick. And they will get well. If there's nothing about it, it's possible. It might. If God's in a good mood, he, he's judging on a case-by-case -case basis. That's not true. These are spiritual laws that he already has in place. The answer is always already yes. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for you who believe. You say, well, he said, oh, I will do all these things. Well, the first sign, according to Jesus, that is to follow the believer is his or her authority over the devil's works. You say, okay, so I will, not against your will. Hear me now. He said, I will. Yeah, but not against your will. They will recover, not against their will. This is huge. Because some of you wondering why people aren't healed. People aren't delivered. We have authority over the power of evil spirits. Not human spirits. They have a will of their own. I was talking to a minister who runs an orphanage in uh, Mexico yesterday. Wonderful work. And I reminded him, you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. And he said, amen. And there's a difference. James 4, verse 7. And Jesus' brother James, or half-brother, he, he was talking to the church. He was the church, head of the church in Jerusalem, right? So he's talking to church folks. He says, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. No Christian has to get anybody else to do something about the devil for them. They can, but don't be surprised if it's only temporary 
if they do. I'm trying to empower you here. You don't know how powerful you are. That's why God wants me to help you to understand it. Because the effectiveness and the strength of the power that you exert in the authority that you have has everything to do with what's going on between these ears. You need to put, you need to remember it has nothing to do with your feelings. You say, I don't feel very powerful. It, it doesn't matter if you feel it or not. You need to put faith in Jesus' name, in the authority you have to use his name, not in your feelings. When you get that confidence, that boldness, that trust in your authority in Christ, see, the devil knows whether you believe it or not. That's what you need to understand. When these spiritists and these palm readers and whatever other names they got for them and these little shacks all over the place or some retail storefront, when they conjure up somebody and say, oh, wow, that, that really is old Joe. Why? Why don't, what would they say that that really is him? Because it, he knows everything about old Joe. Even talks just like him. Yeah, he was grumpy. Oh, he liked his baseball. You know who they're talking to? A familiar spirit. A demon. That followed Joe around his whole life. And knew more about him than Joe's own wife. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to teach you the truth. <laughs> you don't, you're not going to hear this in a, in a big church with the best coffee with a 15-minute message guaranteed not to offend. But I'm trying to help you and make you stronger than horseradish so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil in the coming days. Because that's who you are. You are a child of God, and you have the authority of the armies of heaven behind you. Imagine uh, a policeman out there, and he just goes out in the middle of a 290 out here puts his hand up like this, well, it'd be kind of risky, but full uniform, got his badge, they see his car there with the lights on, what do they do? They stop. Why can he do that? <laughs> Why, how can he walk in by himself? Well, we have to use one Texas Ranger. We can't use a policeman anymore because they don't even know if anybody will back them up. I'm not sure I'd do my job either. But, say a Texas Ranger goes in. <laughs> and, he, and he disperses the whole crowd. Everybody go home. Nothing to see here. Well, if I tried that, 
I, I have a couple black eyes for sure. But if he did it, it works. I'm going back a way. These days it's hard to make that correlation. <laughs> because there's not that much respect for authority. But as the world gets worse, you're going to see more and more of that. But I'm talking about the authority of heaven, and I'm trying to make a comparison that we can relate to or understand. But the reason that officer can do that is because of the authority that he wields. He has the whole state of Texas behind him, you see. State troopers say. <laughs> you see? So he has a, a, a much, he's backed by a much larger force, isn't he? That's, that's what they're afraid of. The whole legal system is, is backing this man or woman. And so in a civilized society, we should obey. <laughs> the devil will flee from you. To flee. Look at that up. It says to run from as in terror. To run from as in terror. The devil is supposed to be running from you. Amen. So stop running from him. You can get all the preachers and some of their wives to pray for you. But eventually you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to say something. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that one amen. Where'd they come from? I want to get you something real nice. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. And I hope I'm making some ground here. In the Amplified Version, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, well-balanced, self-disciplined, be alert and cautious at all times. That any of, that enemy of yours, the devil, again, who's the enemy? Yeah. The devil. He prowls around like, he's not a roaring lion, but he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's a pretender. Fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Looking for who he may devour. Who may he devour? The ones who give him that authority. Remember, he's just a mouse with a megaphone. He's a defeated foe. But resist him. Verse 9. Be firm in your faith against his attack. Rooted, established, immovable. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering. I love Peter throws this in. It's something that makes us feel better knowing other people are suffering just like we are. I don't know why. We're, it seems a little sadistic. The knowing that the same experience of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the whole world. You do not suffer alone. But it's true. Anyone who desires to live godly life in Christ shall suffer persecution. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. As a true believer in Jesus Christ, you have authority in his name. You don't need Peter's shadow to fall on somebody. You, you don't need Paul's handkerchief. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. In the book of Acts in the early church, Peter's shadow was healing people. They'd lay them along the street. And uh, Paul would send 
handkerchiefs. He used it, an anointed message like this one. He'd send it to somebody and they'd get healed from it. But you know what? They were healing unbelievers. I said, they were healing unbelievers. Here's the point of this. You need to resist the devil. I, I know I'm, they might beat the dead horse here. But I listened to Russell's message again twice this week, and I was listening to it on the way to church. It's like I hadn't even heard parts of it. You don't even hear everything until you listen to it seven times. I listen to my own messages a couple of times every week. And I still get greater revelation from them every time I listen to them. That's how I know it's God. And not me. You resisted them. I'm telling you folks, listen. God spoils his babies. He does. He used to show off for Devon and I all the time. Now everything is a miracle. And we, we're mature and we see, we, we're thankful for everything. You know what I'm saying? But he used to really do some cool stuff. But now everything about this life is cool. If you understand who he is and how he works and what you have and who you are in him. And that you are a citizen in heaven. Who cares what goes on in this world? When you've passed from this world and now are a citizen of heaven. Who cares what, what they do here? I mean, we care because we have compassion and love and we want to save as many as we can. We don't know who will accept him or not. So we're going to keep trying to reach everybody. But he does spoil baby Christians. But listen, there comes a time, you can probably remember, when, when that... When you got the baby, especially, and, and then that 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 kid start feet start dragging the ground. Well, you need to put them down, and make them walk, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I was the baby of five, and I remember my uh, my sister used to carry me around till I was probably as tall as her. <laughs> she used to love to tell everybody that after I got grown. Well, God expects you to walk in your authority, especially once you've been taught the truth. There will come a time when others' prayers and faith won't work for you like they used to. You can challenge that if you want, but I'm telling you, it's true. Now, here's what you've been waiting for that I promised you earlier. Believers are never, ever once instructed in the Bible to ask God to stop the devil for them. He has given you the authority to do it. Amen. Ephesians 4.27 And that shouldn't be discouraging because because, you know, when we pray, what, what does it also involve a lot of times? 
There's seed time at harvest, right? So when our prayer, sometimes we're waiting for an answer, right? Well, if you have the authority, you can use it whenever you want. That's good news, folks. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. You're being instructed not to give place to the devil. That means don't, 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 don't open any doors for him. Don't let him in your life. So just the fact that he told you that means you must have authority over him or you couldn't keep him from having place. Am I wrong? Is that a, is that a brilliant deduction, Watson? Huh? <laughs> Who was that great detective, Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Watson came home one day and, and Sherlock Holmes was planting a, a tree in the backyard and, he, and Watson said, what kind of tree is that? Sherlock, and he says, it's a lemon tree, Watson. My dear Watson. <laughs> Elementary. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, you, if you give place to the devil, there's nothing else Jesus or anyone else can do for you. I'm challenging you, Brian's here. I'm stretching your, your theology. If you give place, do you have authority? Do you have a free will? Yes. God said, they will speak in other tongues. They will lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Does that always happen? No. God has provided for it, but he's also contending with your free will and their will to be healed. And he won't override that. It's how the kingdom works. And if you understand it, you got this. If you give place to him, you can't, Jesus can't help you. Your friends can't help you. You have authority, and you're the one that's given the place to the devil. That is your right. It's stupid, but it's your right. You're free. Jesus has made you free, and you have a free will to agree with the devil. But it's deadly, isn't it? Some are oppressed by demons. Yes, even believers. And they don't want to be free sometimes. Nothing you can do for them until they decide they don't want to be oppressed by the devil any longer. This is a heartbreaker sometimes. You know you have authority. You're willing to use it. You've got your confidence, your boldness up, and you're ready to empty out the hospital. You know some of those folks want to be sick. 
I am telling you the truth. Move on. Somebody does. Somebody's desperate to be healed and they need to hear this truth. That's where you take courage. Just cast your cares on the Lord. You can't take it personal. People come and people go. Not what I want. I would love to just build and build and build and everybody be healthy and responsive to the word. But some take offense. I love them coming. I love them going. That's right. Because I preach the word. Amen. And if there's anything particularly offensive about me, that's fine. You can tell me. I'll, I'll accept that. But if it's the word, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> All believers have been delivered from the power of the devil. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power, authority, domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son? So God has, has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness we were born into because we had the seed of Adam the fallen, corrupted nature, and he transferred us into the kingdom of life, made us a brand new creature. We don't have a double, dual nature. If we have a bad day where we act like the devil and a good day where we act like God, we're not just being me both days. No. One day you chose to be out of character. When you were of the devil and you acted like the devil, that's that's who you were. Now, when you are, you are Christ, and when you act like the devil, that was a choice. Now you're being a hypocrite. Your, hip your hypocrisy doesn't come by trying to be godlike. Your hypocrisy now comes by trying to be like the world. That's not who you are anymore. God isn't going to do anything more about the devil until the archangel comes and casts him into that pit. But you can. You can. And he wants you to. Ephesians 1.22 in the Amplified. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet. That's the Father. He put all authority, everything to, in subjection to Jesus. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. Amen. When you see him again, he's going to be a conquering king, not a suffering savior. Amen. And he appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things to the church. To the church. Ephesians 1.3 And he has blessed us, the church, in Christ with every spiritual blessing. All things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to you. This life. The grace of God is a teacher. Titus 2.11 and 12 teaches us to live godly lives in this present evil age, doesn't it? Yeah. Amen. Romans 5.17 says we are supposed to reign. That means to rule and govern as kings in this life. 
That means rule and reign over sickness. Rule and reign over the circumstances of your life. To rule and reign over poverty. To rule and reign over everything concerning you. He has given you that authority. You have been delivered from the curse of the law. Praise God. Go back and look at the curses. From the beginning, they were spiritual death, poverty, sickness, among other things. Now you've been delivered from all that in Christ. And what's left? We said it earlier. All the blessings. All the promises. Somebody tell them thank you. No, y'all don't believe I'm going to give you one more example and then I'm just going to be done. Because what you need to do is just go back and listen to this and make a list of scriptures and just make them your own. Because this will make you stronger than horseradish. It will turn your life around in every area and help you to prosper. Matthew chapter 15. Remember the story of the Syrophoenician woman? She wasn't, a, she wasn't a Jew. She wasn't a Hebrew. And while Jesus was here, what was he doing? He was fulfilling the law, right? He was, he was fulfilling the law. And he was sent to the Jews first, wasn't he? His own people. They rejected him. Thank God, for a time, God has blinded them so that the, the full number of us Gentiles could come in. And then he's got a wonderful plan for the Jews. So we're always praying for them, right? But this woman was not someone who was supposed to be receiving from Jesus. And she came and threw herself at his feet because, the, because of the mother's love for her child. And you know how that can be very compelling and powerful. Amen. Uh, verse 21 of Matthew 15. After leaving there, Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the district came out and began to cry out urgently, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, Messiah. My daughter is cruelly possessed by a demon. But he said, not, did not say a word in answer to her. And his disciples came and asked him repeatedly, send her away because she keeps shouting out after us. He answered, I was commissioned by God and sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to kneel down before him saying, Lord, help me. And he replied, it is not good or appropriate, in fact, to take the children's bread, to take the children's bread and throw it to the, the pet dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even the pet dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their young master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, your faith your personal trust and confidence in my power is great. It will be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. She had a demon. She was possessed by a demon. 
and she was healed from that moment. He said she had great faith. But he said it's not appropriate to take the children's bread. What was the bread that she asked for? <laughs> that she got? Was it a sandwich? It was healing and deliverance. Hello? Healing and deliverance are the children's bread. Are you children of God? Yes. Hello? Yes. Come on, some light bulbs should be going on now. <laughs> Psalm 23, 5 says, You, Jesus, prepare a table before me. A table prepared by Jesus before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's the anointing. My cup runneth over. That's abundance. Jesus prepares a beautiful table before his children in the presence of the enemies. Beloved, healing, deliverance, prosperity, they're all the children's bread. Tell me. He sets that table right in the presence of your enemies, right? So, the devil's there. The demons are around. They got a right to be here for a certain time. But they don't have authority over you. Amen. So what? So what that they're here? We know they're here. What we've learned is that we have power and authority over all the works of the devil. Amen. So what's it to you that they're around? They're scared of you if you know it and they're confident in it and use your authority. They don't have any control or authority over you. You have the authority. Don't give it to them by being dumb and doing things your own way, by living after the flesh. By getting into fear and getting into worry and getting into anger and strife. Those are open doors and legal opportunities for the enemy to come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. Don't give them your authority. You're a citizen of heaven. God is your father. Stop looking at the enemy. Start looking at the table Jesus set before you. If healing and deliverance are the children's bread, what else is on the table? Oh, Lord, look at this. Mm. Let me partake of some of the, the bread of, of healing. Mm. Mm. Oh, the bread of prosperity. Give me some of that too. Give me a bunch of that. Mm. That's good stuff. Oh, very good. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Bless you, Holy Spirit. Mm. This is good. Good stuff. 
Who cares them losers are standing around watching you eat? Jesus is standing there serving you. He's prepared a beautiful table before you. Why would you look at some ugly things like them when you got this beautiful table set in front of you? Enjoy it. Enjoy your identity. Favor ain't fair, but it's yours in Christ. Luke 18. I won't go there because I'm done, but there's a story of a prodigal son. You all heard it before, probably. That prodigal son, he took his inheritance early, which basically telling his dad to drop dead. He's not supposed to get it until he dies, but he gave it to him. He went off and he spent it on crazy living. Ended up feeding hogs. And he went back and come up with this story, well, I'm not worthy anymore. I'll go back to my father's house because even the people that work for him are treated better than me. I can't even get some of the pods that I feed in these pigs. I'll go back and tell my father, just let me be like one of your employees instead of a son because I've lost that right. And all. He got this big story. But his dad's watching for him from a long way off. And he runs hugs and he starts his story but he don't even let him finish it tells him go get the best robe that's the robe of righteousness that's the robe of righteousness that says you're in right standing with your father put shoes on his feet that's authority all the ring that's a signet ring that that means you have authority all the wonderful things and he said go kill the fatted calf my son he was he was dead but now he's alive he and so they, they start a celebration. But listen, I want to tell you about the older son because I think most of us can, can relate to the prodigal son. But we need to relate as well to that older son. He was out in the field working. And he heard the sound, the music and everything. He asked one of the employees there, he said, well, what, what's, what's, what's going on? Well, your, your brother... He's home and your dad's killed the fatted calf. He's having a celebration. Your brother was dead. Now he's alive. He's home. And he got so mad, he wouldn't even go in the house. He was jealous. And this is to us. Because he told the father, he said, you, you, you never, this, this worthless son of yours, he wouldn't even call him his brother. This worthless son, he was full of judgment, right? He said, I, I, all these years I've been here working for you. You never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. I've been here serving you. See, he, he saw himself as a servant. He didn't even see himself as a son. That's what religion will do to you. The Father said to him, and he's saying this to you. All that I have is yours. It always has been. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. The younger son 
found out there was nothing out there in the world. Nothing out there in the world that he needed. It just left him wanting and destitute and hurting and battered and bruised. What he really needed the whole while was the love and the provision of the Father. All of us find that out at some point. If we've come to Jesus. I never, ever, 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 ever heard one person say, I wish I'd have put off coming to the Lord a little longer so I could have had a little more of whatever craziness I was doing. Never, ever, ever, ever heard a truly born-again, spirit-filled believer say that. Ever. I only ever heard them say, I wish I would have known sooner. His way is perfect. Even when it seems hard, it pays dividends. In God, you find everything you will ever need or want, but not in the world. I'll close with this scripture. James chapter 4 again. Starting in the, the first verse. James very short letter in the back of the Bible, the brother of Jesus, and he he hit you square between the eyes with truth, man. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Remember, Jesus said even talking about somebody is murder. Being angry enough to want to kill somebody. That's murder. You covet and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. In other words, we get jealous of people having things and we don't understand it. Them getting that, God blessing them that way, it didn't deplete his bank account one penny. <laughs> He's still got, there's room for you. Hello. <laughs> you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or being an enemy of God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose... It is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. You resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's saying you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. I'll preach that message sometimes. So you realize, because there are some, and you know them, you know some like this. Oh, let everybody be. I love everybody. I love 
And basically what they're saying is I'm calling evil good because I'm not going to judge nobody. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. I'm the cool guy. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be friends with everybody. Everything you do is okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Listen. In the end, the devil says, "Hey, mealy mouth fence sitter, the fence belongs to me." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't want to end on that note. But God gives more grace. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just want to lift all of these here and all those who will hear by other means. Lift them up to you today. I pray that all the light bulbs go on. That you give them revelation knowledge. That just means give them total understanding. The aha moment. Well, they see it. They see themselves. They see the power. They see the victory. They see the boldness that is theirs and is required and necessary to take the authority that you have given to each of them. To take the authority that in your name over all the works of the devil and everything that come against them. Help them to stand strong in the face of adversity, knowing they are not alone. You will never leave them or forsake them. You are with them. You have angels encamped round about them to help them. The Holy Spirit, you are here, sir, to help us, to come alongside us and take a hold together with us all the the obstacles and problems and challenges that we face in this life and to help us to move every mountain that stands opposed to us and the armies of heaven back us in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody thank you. Just begin to thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Holy Ghost. Tell my children that I love them. Tell my children that these words are true, that I have given them all authority. Everything in heaven my Father has given me, and everything on earth my Father has given me authority over, and I have delegated that authority to my church. Be brave, be bold. Use the authority I have given you. If you don't do anything about the devil, I can't help you. But I have given you the authority, the power and ability to do everything that you need to do. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I speak a blessing over each and every one of you. Everyone who hears this message. I speak blessings. I speak faith. I speak health and wholeness. I speak deliverance from strongholds, from demonic activity in your life. We command them to go in the name of Jesus. Just agree right now and you'll receive it. He just, he's just not going to run them off. We're not going to run them off if it's your will that they stay. But I know you don't want them to stay. So say, devil, you got to go. You can't stay. You can't touch my finances. You can't touch my body. You can't touch my wife and family. You got to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 